Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Hey everybody, how you doing? Man, it is great to, uh, to see you guys. I've already met some folks that I don't know. I know quite a, a few of you, but uh, uh, for those that may not uh, know me or my wife, Donna, just a, a quick little introduction. Uh, and I, I love sharing this. Some of you are saying, oh, every time he, every time he ever speaks, he says this. But that, that may be the case, because um, it was over 40 years ago when our Pastor Jay's grandfather um, for the first time, I heard the gospel from him, and he led me to Jesus. And I never got over it. And so uh, Jay and his family are just such a huge, huge part of our lives. <laughs> we love them, and we love the church. And so it was, uh, I don't know, wow, how long has it been now? Six years, seven years? Um, Jay and I began to dream. I was pastor here in the area. We began to just dream of you, <laughs> of you, of of, of a church that would, that would be different and very authentic and uh, reach a whole lot of young adults and reach a diverse audience, all, all of these things. We began to dream about it, and here you are. Uh, literally, in my life, you are a, a, a dream come true, and I'm just so thankful for you. And um, Jay's asked me to help some this summer. I'm dealing with a little bit of allergies, so hopefully my voice will, will, will hold up uh, through this. But uh, um, uh, I hope you don't get tired of me. You'll hear me some this summer. I know I won't get tired of you. Don, Don and I travel most of the time. I think this year, something like 220 days for me. And I want to tell you, we talk about this. There, the one place we enjoy worshiping, just worshiping and being with God's people more than any place else in this country is right here. And we love what God is doing here in, in the music and the worship and all of you. So thank you for who you are, for what you do, most of all for what you're letting God do uh, in your midst. Uh, I'm president of a ministry called Life Action. Um, go on lifeaction.org sometimes and, and see us and pray for us. Um, and it takes us all over the place. Um, we desire to sort of summarize briefly what we do. We want to help churches. Um, colleges, seminaries, families, and individuals say yes to God and experience revival. Revival just means life again, to have new life. And we want to see that. And we've given our life to that. That's why I love the title of this series. And the title of the series, uh, when Jay told me uh, what, what we were going to be doing and gave me the honor of starting us off in this, um, I, I thought, this is really cool. The title of the series is Kingdom Mentality. Kingdom Mentality. Jesus talked about one thing more than anything else, and that was the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He used those terms uh, interchangeably. Now, if we're going to talk about living and thinking so that our whole life, our whole mentality revolves around the kingdom of God, we need to know what we're talking about, right? So this is just my definition. You may have a better one. Let me give you one, uh, at least for this message. This is what I'm talking about when I say the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the presence and priorities of King Jesus ruling our lives, all right? So we may not have the last part of that on there. The, the kingdom of God is the presence and priorities of King Jesus ruling our lives. So be sure you write down the last part because the kingdom of God is both already and not yet. The kingdom of God may be with you and not with the person next to you. How can that be? Well, Jesus is king. He rules and reigns over everything, everything. But the kingdom of God is distinctly personal. Jesus Jesus said that. He would say things like, hey, the kingdom of God is very close to you. Now, Jesus is king. He, he rules everything. But what he was saying was the kingdom of God to him matters very personally. He wants 
to be king in your life and my life and your family and this church. And so you, you may be sitting next to someone who has said, King Jesus, you're the center of my life. Your presence and your priorities rule my life. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect, that I always make the right choices, but I want nothing more in this life than for your presence and priorities to rule in me. And you may be sitting next to somebody that's made that decision and you've not yet. Well, King Jesus is drawing you and calling you and wants you to have a kingdom mentality where your whole life doesn't revolve around um, the next decision that'll, that'll give you the right job or the right relationship. Those things matter to Jesus. But kingdom mentality says his presence priorities matter more than anything else in your life. Now, the ministry God has given Donna and I takes us all over the world. We, this past year with COVID, of course, we've not been able to do that. That'll start back up real soon. And let me tell you what's very exciting to me. We're in the midst right now of the greatest movement of God in the history of the world. I don't think there's any question about it. But, but, but it's not clear yet whether we're going to miss it or be a part of it in the people called the church in America. All over the world. All over the world. God is moving. The kingdom is advancing in power, especially in the Muslim world. I'll tell you more about that in, in a few moments. But the question is, what about here? What about in us? Are we going to miss what God is doing in the rest of the world? Don and I talk about it all the time. When we go overseas and when we back uh, this fall, starting back up our international ministry, uh, we, we, when we see the church, we go, this is so different from most of what we see in the church in America. The reason I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing here is, is because I'm starting to see here the longing and the authenticity and the possibilities of what we see in places on the other side of the world. But most Christians in this country, I'm convinced right now, are in the midst of a reformation. We are reforming how we think about church. And it's not yet clear what we're going to be. And let me tell you, if we don't make the decisions that lead to Jesus as king and his presence and priorities ruling in us, the church as we know it in this country is going away. It's been in the process of doing that for a long time, if you're not aware of that. Steep decline, disastrous decline. And you know what? That may not be the worst thing in the world. It could be that the reformation happening now in the Church of America is going to result in a smaller remnant of people who say, I'm not here because my mama told me to, my daddy told me to, or I grew up in church. I'm a part of the church because Jesus is my king. And the church is his bride. And if it's his bride, I can't love Jesus and not love his bride. So I'm going to be a part of this. But I'm going to find a place where I can do it with authenticity and go after the kingdom. I think this is one of those places. And that makes me excited to be a part of talking about uh, what it means to have a kingdom mentality in the days ahead. We are meant to be radically different from those who don't know Jesus. We're meant to be. We're, we're meant to be weird. The problem in the church in America is not that we're weird, it's that we've not been weird. And we've been so much like the rest of the world. The world is like, hey, you guys fight just like we do. You seem to hate just like we often do. Why would we want anything to do with you? A kingdom mentality, what we see in the early church, the church that conquered the Roman Empire, it wasn't because of their politics. It wasn't because they blended into everybody else. It was because they were so distinctly different from everybody else. We're called to that place again. I think it was, oh, it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, uh, Don and I were on an anniversary vacation. And um, we, we found out there was a little, kind of a little island off of the place where we were vacationing where you could take a tour and you could go out there and there are all kind of wonderful things to do on this little island. So we took a guided tour and we got on this, on this boat and we're going out there with this group of folks and, and, uh, and we're kind of introducing ourselves and getting to, to, know, to know them. And uh, one of the people said, well, all of us here know each other and we're all young married couples. We goes, oh, that's awesome. We, we, we like to teach, teach marriage. We do that a lot. And, uh, uh, and they said, well, how long have you guys been married? And at the time we said, 30 years. 
and everything stopped. Their eyes got 30 years. It was longer than most of them had been alive, you know. And by that time, the boat landed, and we went about our day. We got back on at the end of the day to go back. And one of them said, hey, hey, we were talking. And on the boat ride back to the mainland, would, would, would you guys tell us, what is your secret? Because we, we're all newlyweds, and we want to know what your secret is. I said, sure, be glad to. I said, Here, here's our secret. Jesus is the king of our lives and the king of our marriage. And we've realized that the devil wants to destroy our marriage. And so every day, morning and night, we pray out loud over each other for protect, the protection of God and the blessing of God on our marriage. And that's our secret. And guys, I want to tell you, they looked at me like I was from the planet Venus. I mean, they were like, what? And one guy said, uh, are, are you saying that like, you think the devil doesn't want you to be married? And, and, I, and he said, do you believe in like a real devil and everything? And I said, well, let me ask you do, you, do you believe in God? He goes, yeah. And I said, okay. Do you see evil in the world? Yeah. I said, well, do you think it comes from God? Do you worship a God who, who created evil? Is this, is this what you believe? I don't even know. But like the devil, really? And I'm starting to think, you know, I think I've messed up this conversation. <laughs> I think I started a little too deep. So I, I decided to make lighter, kind of, kind of get a little bit lighter. And I said, well, let me just tell you, the real secret of marriage is marrying as young as you can. We got married when we were 14 and our parents had to sign off. And they went, you did? And I went, no, <laughs> I, I'm joking. And about that time, one of them said, hey, I think we're about to arrive. The weather's been really good today, hasn't it? And it was over. There was no more chance of helping these folks with marriage. And I, after that, I thought, Lord, how did I mess that up? What an opportunity. How did I mess it up so badly? And I sensed the Lord saying to me, these are people that have no experience with me whatsoever. And there's no way you could not look weird to them. So I'm not sure whether we messed it up or not. I'm sure there's probably been a, probably would have been a better way to, to maybe initially talk to them. Maybe I should have said something like, well, we, we love God and he helps us be kind to each other or something like that that they would have understood more. But the bottom line is, if you choose to live your life with a kingdom mentality as a part of the kingdom of God where the, where the presence and priorities of Jesus rule your life, you're going to look weird to other people. And some of them will reject you. Sometimes you'll be lonely. But there'll also be those times where somebody will go, I've always thought you were weird. You're an odd duck. Man, there's just something really strange about you. But there's something also about you I wish I had in my life. And they're going to show up here, and they're going to start to understand the community that is called the church. And they might just become your brother and sister in Christ. So let me just tell you real honestly, this message is probably going to be a little hard. For some of you, I was talking to Jay about it. I said, you know, I really love to encourage people. And, and uh, I've got a, a couple of messages more a few this summer. And some of them will be a little more encouraging. This one, just going to be honest with you, this is going to put a big old giant challenge right in front of you. And, and, and I'm a little nervous about it. I, 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 I don't want to come across too strong. And if I do, please forgive me. But, but here's the deal. There's, there's no way, there's really no way that I can present to you the kingdom of God unless I tell you this is not an easy journey. This should not be a choice you take lightly. And to also say to you that Christianity will never measure, measure up to you unless it comes to mean the kingdom of God. It'll always fall short. You'll always wonder, why do I always seem to walk away sooner or later? Why do I always drop out sooner or, or later? And the reason is because you've never really seen what Christianity is meant to be. It is meant to be the following of a king named Jesus who gave everything for you and caused you to give everything to follow him. And that's not easy, but it's wonderful beyond words. Open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at several verses in this chapter for several weeks. And um, someone else will help you next week, and then I'll be back in two weeks, and we'll get back at it. But listen, listen to, the word, to the Word of God. Uh, it, it, Paul says, he's writing to uh, his adopted son, 
Timothy to a young man, a young pastor. And he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. It doesn't use the word kingdom, but that's what Paul's teaching about. The kingdom of God is always advancing. It's always multiplying. It's a movement. It's not meant to be just for you. It's meant to change you by the presence and priorities of Jesus. And then every one of you in this place is meant to pass it on. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine if, um, if you were the world's greatest biomedical science, scientist and one day you realized, I've done it. Right here. It's right in front of me. I've done it. I've tested it. I know it works. I've cured cancer. No one ever has to die of cancer ever again. I think I'll just keep that to myself. Can you imagine? Of course not. Can you imagine? Now, of course, you'd have all kinds of problems because everybody want to pay you a gazillion dollars for it. But can you imagine keeping it to yourself the whole life, your whole life, or charging people for it? When you realized that you had the cure for cancer and that if somebody couldn't afford it, they were going to die, if there's any, anything good within you, you'd give it away, right? To everybody for free. That's what a kingdom movement looks like. We, we are all meant to be giving this away. So the kingdom advances to others. This is a disciple-making movement right here. The kingdom of God means we are strengthened by what is in the king. Do you see that? Be strengthened by grace. That's free. It's been given to us free. We can give it away free. And then we get the strength that is in, in, in. That word in, so important. In Christ Jesus, everything that is in the king, we get in our lives. When the purpose of your life is to say, Jesus, I want your presence more than anything else. More than money, the right job, the right relationship. I want your presence. And I want your purpose more than my own. Then, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And then you say, now Jesus, help me not to live the rest of my life and keep it to myself. That's it. Now you know what the kingdom of God is. Now in, in the church in America, I think there's really two different kind of, of, of mentalities that exist among Christians in America. A minority of Christians, and I get to see all over, I was in Idaho this week, we'll be in Nashville this coming week, and Michigan the next, we're all over the country, we see it all pretty much. And there's a minority of followers of Jesus who have a kingdom mentality, who really think of the church the way they should, but it's a minority. Um, Every, every time I speak almost, I talk about my friend Gary Witherall. Uh, someday I'll bring him here and introduce him to you. Gary uh, and his wife were missionaries in southern Lebanon in 2002, leading a lot of Muslims to Jesus, too many for the Al-Qaeda group that uh, was training nearby. And so they killed Gary's wife in cold blood and murdered her and would have murdered Gary, but um, he was quickly taken out of the country. Long story short, we became dear friends. He's now really my spiritual coach, teaches me more than anybody else in the world about following Jesus. And regularly, we go to places that most people probably wouldn't want to go. We can't wait to get there because we know we're going to see God do amazing things. So a couple of years ago, we were in a city. There were no Christians, no Westerners, no, um, uh, no witness, no missionaries, no anybody. No hope. And the name of the city literally meant the day of the Antichrist. That was the name of the city. The people there can't wait for the Antichrist to come because they, they believe that he will destroy all Christians and all Jews. And, and just a short distance from where we were, 37 uh, uh, Westerners were gunned down and murdered by ISIS. This is not a place you go on vacation normally. But Gary and I were there, and God was at work, and don't have time to go into all the things we saw. We went back there later with a group, and God protected and opened doors, and I cannot wait to get back. But on the, the first morning there, Gary said, you know, we need to worship. He said, John, I don't think anybody's worshiped here for thousands of years, since the early days of, of the church. He said, so we're going to worship. So we, we went out on our own to actually an old Roman ruin 
and we stood under this Roman ruin, and, and Gary took bread, and he took a cup, and he, and he gave me the Lord's Supper. It's just Gary and me. And I'll never forget, I've got goosebumps thinking about it right now. I'll never forget what he said next. He lifted his hands, and he said, Oh, God, we are your church in this city. We are your church in this city. We're the only ones. Hallelujah. How we rejoice. We are your people. This is the day the Lord has made. You are King Jesus over the city of the Antichrist. Wow. And I thought, and that's how we need to live in this country. That's how we need to think every day we wake up. We are residents of a kingdom. And we have a king whose presence and priorities are meant to guide our life, to be the center of our life. We can live here that way now. But most, most Christians in this country, I'm convinced, live with what I call a club mentality, a club mentality. Think about how most people join a church. Maybe you've joined a church this way. I was a pastor for decades, <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, I'm glad to be doing what I'm doing now. Pray for Jay. It is challenging to be a pastor you know, because sometimes you just go, oh, God, is there any hope to, for, to ever, ever see the kingdom really advancing? Uh, most people, here's how you choose a church. You look for what you like. I want to find preaching I like. I want to find music I like. I want to find programs I like. I want to find a nice, comfortable building I like. That's also how you choose a country club. But it has nothing to do with how we ought to be choosing a church. Nothing whatsoever. The church in America, and again, I get to see a whole lot of it, and there's some wonderful things God's doing, especially post-COVID. I'm starting to get more optimistic than I've been in a long time. But most churches of our day, I'm convinced, are the combination of a self-help group that meets in a country club to have a book study. Now, let me say very quickly, I believe every word of the Scripture is true. I study it every day. I want to know all of it. But the Pharisees studied the Bible too, and they ended up leading the way to kill Jesus. We don't, we, we don't study the Bible like a book club to get more information and more knowledge. And we don't do it just so we'll feel better. None of those things have anything to do with the church or the kingdom of God. But that's what a lot of Christians do. They they. They even look for a church that will meet all of their needs and that they will like and they can brag about to their friends. In almost 40 years, 37 years, I guess, of being a pastor, I can count on one hand. I was trying to think of individuals, and I came up with about five, who ever said anything like this to me when they came to visit the churches I was, pa I was pastor. Pastor, we're thinking about joining this church because we think here you could train us and lead us on a dangerous mission with Jesus. Five in about 37 years. But let me tell you, if you don't move to that, this is why I said this is going to be hard today. If you don't move to that kind of desire, Christianity will disappoint you the rest of your life. By the way, I rarely even use that word. We know what we mean. When you put I-T-Y on the end of that word, there's all kinds of problems. It becomes an institution. The word Christian is a great word. That's what, how we should pronounce it. We are followers of Christ. And it's not about making us feel better. So which one are you going to choose? You get to choose a kingdom mentality or a club mentality. Now look at the next couple of verses, and we'll really center here for the next few moments, and we'll be done. So Paul says, you're going to do this? You're going to have this movement and pass on this kingdom movement to others? Then, um, then find a place that you really like with the best music and the best preaching. Make sure there's really good programs for your kids. Find... Oh, I'm sorry, that's not in there, is it? <laughs> Look at what he says. This is, this is crazy. Man, you just, he just told his young adopted son that he wants the movement of God to grow where he is. So, Timothy, here's how you do it. Share in suffering. <laughs> that's not a real, a real good pitch right there. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You've been called 
to the army of the king and enlisted by the commander who is Jesus. We're not to be tangled in the things of this world. doesn't mean that we, we don't have the things of this world. We all have bills to pay and jobs and all this. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, Jesus cares about all of it. But what happens is most of us get tangled up in those things and they become our life when the presence and priorities of King Jesus are meant to rule our life so that we're not tangled up with all this other stuff. It's a very powerful and emotional thing when the Word of God calls us to be good soldiers of Christ because the word soldier is the same word used of the men who crucified Jesus. This is not a happy word in the Bible. There was a, uh, a chief soldier one day, and he, uh, he was told by his boss, Pontius Pilate, that he had been given a religious zealot who claimed to be king. And then he had a kingdom that wasn't of this world, but it was time to set an example. And so he stripped him of his clothes and beat him and stuck thorns on his head and scourged the skin off of his body and had him carry a crossbeam to a nasty place just outside the city walls. And then they nailed him there under the command of that centurion. But as that centurion listened to him and watched him, and as the skies grew dark and the ground shook, that soldier became a soldier of Christ, of Christ, belonging to Christ. When he said, surely this man, he's the son of God. And all of us are called to that soldier's journey. You see, we've heard him. We drove the nails. All of our sin put him there. He took it all for you and for me. The worst, most wicked thing you've ever done. Is there something you've done that nobody knows about? It's so shameful. Nobody knows about it. Or if anybody knows about it, it just about wrecked your life when they found out. He took that away from you. If you know him, do you realize he will never once hold that over your head? When you see him face to face, he will never once say, remember what you did? You might. Jesus, I remember what I did. And he'll say, that's strange because I don't. I took it away on a cross for you. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. Let me show you the, the kingdom that is now forever. You and I are called to walk the walk of the soldier who hurt Jesus and has seen Jesus and has come to know Jesus and says, now, this is my king. I killed him, but this is my king. We're warriors, but we're not normal warriors. We're special forces, and we do something different. We don't cause suffering. We suffer with our commander, and we even suffer with each other. That's what he said to do. By the way, it's one word in the original language. Share in suffering, three words in ours. It's one in his. And it's the suffering that, the pathos, the suffering of Jesus on the cross. And he says, now share in it with each other. Don't let anybody be alone in their suffering as a good soldier belonging to Jesus in his kingdom. Share it. The one common characteristic, the one common characteristic everywhere in the world today where the church is growing and advancing, you know what it is? Suffering. I want to sh show you the, the very beginning of a documentary. And if I could ask you to do one thing to, because of what happens in this, in this sermon, I would ask you to watch something on YouTube. Just watch it. Now set aside some time. It'll take you a couple hours. Just watch it. Write this down. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. Volume 2. Now, Volume 1 is fine, but Volume 2 is more recent, right before COVID. And Volume 2 is about the greatest movement of God, I am convinced, in the history of the world. In the country where it is happening, yesterday it was announced that a new president who will begin to serve there in the middle of this month is likely to be a man who has already murdered likely about 30,000 people. He is a man who has all the characteristics of the next Hitler. He is a man who, with his own desire, wants to utterly destroy the people of God. Jewish people, 
Christians. He wants to destroy them all. And one of the reasons he's so vicious about that is the mosques in his country are emptying out and the people of the country of Iran, where there were once almost no believers, are flocking to Jesus. You heard about that? Probably not. Although now even in the secular press, they're having a hard time ignoring it. Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. Let's watch just the introduction of it, and I think this will help you understand how different it is today to be a follower of Jesus where the church is exploding and the kingdom of God is advancing. And here where we look for a church that we like. Watch. So first thing is, in Iran, you know what country you are serving, you're serving the Islamic Republic of Iran. می دونیم اگه ما رو بگیرن به اون تجاوز میشه کتک میخوریم حتی میکشن We know that if they get us, the first thing they will do to us as a woman is rape us and then they'll beat us and then ultimately they'll kill us و یه تصمیمه که جون تو بدی And this is the decision that we have made that we want to offer our bodies as sacrifices. Because I have this thought when I wake up, when I leave that door, I might not come back. And I've talked to my husband and we made an agreement that this is the decision of our lives. So if we leave that door, we don't come back. We accept the consequences of what happened. saw that verse about Haman and that last song, whole songs in the movie, by the way, the devil's going to hang by his own gallows. What's that talking about? In the book of Esther, uh, there was a man named Haman, and he lived in Iran. They called it Persia back then. And his goal was to destroy everyone who worshiped the true God. But he ended up, because of a brave woman named Esther, being hanged on his own gallows told you this is going to be hard to choose to say whatever it means, Lord, even if it means suffering. Probably it will mean suffering. I want your presence and your priorities to rule my life. If you make that decision, here's the promise of God. Anything the devil brings against you, very soon he'll hang on his own gallows. God's hand is upon his people He will protect, he will preserve, and one day he'll bring justice. And even though they know they will die, the people we meet 
in places like Iran are the most joy-filled people on earth because they have decided that Jesus is king. And if Jesus is king, then nothing that really matters can ever be taken from them. What's your choice going to be? One of the leaders, his quotes in the movie, said this, in Revelation, the only church that Jesus did not critique was the church of Smyrna, and it was the only one under suffering and persecution the whole time. Now, what I'm about to say is hard, all right? Now, let me say, let me tell you who, who I am, a part of who I am. Um, my grandfather won the Distinguished Service Cross, losing his leg in war. Uh, I've been over military chaplaincy for Southern Baptists. I, I, I was a chaplain at Ground Zero. I saw what was done to our country. I saw bodies that were destroyed at 9-11. I am not a pacifist. I am a patriot. But it is not my goal to save America. It may not be God's. God let his own people be judged because they left King Jesus. I don't want to fight against God. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God with kingdom mentality, your goal is not to save America. It's a different goal. This is what he says. I would rather see millions come to Jesus than have freedom. Hmm. I would rather see millions come to Jesus than have democracy. If freedom was such a great thing for the kingdom, why is the church in America and Europe in the state that it's in right now? Wow. I hope my kids will have a great experience in the days ahead in this country. I hope my grandkids will have a good experience, but that's not my primary goal. How do you live with a kingdom mentality as a good soldier of Jesus? Let me tell you just three things real quickly. We'll move toward the finish. A, a good soldier owns the wounds that we cause. Own the wounds that we cause. Have you hurt somebody? Ask forgiveness. Don't spend the rest of your life fighting and arguing over what you think is right. That's arrogance. This week, Don and I will join thousands of people in Nashville as a part of uh, a convention of Southern Baptists. I'm just going there to meet pastors and encourage them. To be very honest, I'm not sure I want to be a part of what's going to happen there. I see more arrogance than I've seen in almost my entire life among God's people right now. And what we think is, we've got to convince everybody we're right about something and have the right candidate elected and the right things happen, and yet Jesus calls us to humbly follow him. And so when I look at all the mess in our country and all the divisions across religious lines and racial lines, you know what I want to do? I want to listen to my brothers and sisters and my friends and even lost people, and I want to grieve with them. I'm not interested in convincing anybody else that I'm right. If you've caused wounds, own it. Number two, offer the wounds we have. Every one of us is wounded. Some of you are going, well, okay, I get what this guy's saying, but, but if, 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 if I'm gonna choose the kingdom and it means suffering, then how, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do it? Offer the wounds you have to Jesus. I'll preach about that in a few weeks when I'm uh, July 4th. I'm going to just talk about, just take all the burdens you have to him. Offer your wounds to him. He's king, you see. Every soldier needs a medic, and he is your medic. And then finally, obey the warrior king that we follow. Just do what he says. Just do what he says. Another leader in the Iranian church said, the Iranian disciples believe when they read the scripture, they must obey. They must obey. Listen to this. So they do not read for information. They, they don't have 15 Bible studies in a row and never share the gospel or never do justice, never serve somebody else. They don't ever do that in Iran because they're not reading to know more of the Bible. They're reading to be transformed and then do the Bible. They don't read for information. They read for transformation and they expect to be transformed when they read the scriptures. And if they are not, they do not continue. They stop to find out what's wrong with them because the word of God transforms us when Jesus is king. So I love this. If you're not weeping every week with joy at what the Holy Spirit is doing in your church, something's wrong. That's the kingdom of God.
That's the kingdom of God, where Jesus is king and everything changes. And you walk out of here, you walk out of your small group every time you're around God's people, you're hearing the stories, and you're going, the kingdom's advancing. The kingdom's advancing. The movement is happening, not just in Iran, but here with me. And I get to be a part of it because Jesus is my king and his presence and priorities rule my life. And when they don't, I repent and I turn and I come back to him and he opens his arms and I get to be in the kingdom with my king. So I ask you, will you enlist as a soldier of Jesus and resign your membership in the Christian club? I know that's a hard question. It may change everything for you, but I'm gonna tell you from the experience of knowing the most suffering people on the face of the earth, as Don and I have known in so many persecuted countries where we have been, it is speechless joy beyond words to know Jesus as King where nothing can take away from you what matters the most. In 2005, I've never never told this story publicly. I really debated doing it because I'm very, very careful about anyone in any walk of of, uh, military life, et cetera, that has ever shared with me as as a chaplain or a pastor. And what I share with you was classified and confidential and I never share with anybody, but um, you can look up much of it for yourself now. 2005, something called Operation Red Wings was happening in Afghanistan. And as a part of that, um, two helicopters of Navy SEALs flew in to try to rescue other SEALs who were uh, in battle on the ground against the Taliban. And one of those helicopters was shot down and everybody killed On the other helicopter um, was a Navy SEAL who along with his buddies fought his way in, killing Taliban to take the bodies of his brothers out because they never abandoned their wounded or their dead. They eventually rescued the only one who survived and carried their brothers out. And for days and days, this young man fought his way out with his best friend on his back. When he lived through that, I received a call and I was asked if I would be willing to go because of relationships that I I can't share that linked me to the story. I was asked if I would just go and minister to this young Navy SEAL who was not talking very much about what had happened. So I went somewhere far from here met him and his wife, sat under a pavilion on a military base and just sat with this man for days before he would say a thing. And then finally, as he began to speak, he told me more of the story of carrying out his dead friend and others rescuing one remaining survivor And we prayed and we sought God together because he was a follower of the king. And at the end of that time that I spent with him, something happened that is precious to me, always will be. He and his wife and I knelt together and we prayed as he prepared to go back and serve our country and protect all of us. He was ready. His spirit was healed. But this was his prayer. Lord, for the remainder of my days, I choose to be a warrior of God. I choose to be a warrior of God. And that's what he has been and that's what he is. You don't have to be a Navy SEAL to make that choice. You can make it right now. It's what I choose to pursue for the rest of my life, imperfectly as I do it. It is my passion. To be honest, I wouldn't be a part of most churches in America. I don't have any interest in it anymore. But I want to be a part of what God's doing here. But I don't want to do it without challenging everyone in this place to make your choice for Jesus to be your king so that you can be the good soldier of Christ. Stand up with me if you would, please. Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to give you a few moments with God. 
that's it. We'll be done. You've, you've heard about what God's doing in Iran. The next time you hear on the news about this horrible, horrible country, remember that you're hearing about a government, but some of the most precious brothers and sisters that you have in this world are right there now in prison or in hiding. <laughs> and sometimes not in hiding at all. We fight about masks. They loved them during the COVID crisis. You know why? They put them on and the government's facial recognition couldn't recognize them and they went out and told everybody about Jesus and served the sick and dying. Contrast that to where we've been in our country. Make your choice. Would you take this time right now and would you do two things? Would you pray for your suffering brothers and sisters in places like Iran? You can come pray up here on your knees if you want. You can, you, can get, you can get up and move around if you want. Find somebody and just say, pray with me. Just do what God leads you to do. But then, second, you know, pr pray for Iran. Pray for what God's doing there. Pray. It's okay to pray their government will fall under the weight of the kingdom of God advancing. That's what the Christians there believe is going to happen. But pray this too. Pray, Jesus, I want you to be king. Know what you're praying. And if you're not ready, fine. Talk to somebody about it. Keep on the journey. But if you're ready, let that be your prayer today for Jesus to be king. So move around, come up here, get somebody to pray with you, pray where you are, whatever God leads you to do. Guys, let's worship, let's sing a little bit. And when we're done, we'll go. God bless you all. can't leave this moment unless I ask this question, what is it about for you today? What's it about for you? We say it's all about Jesus. And I, I love that song. It sounds so great. What is it about for you? What's it about for you on uh, June 13th at 5.33? What's it about for you? And what would it matter if you got what it was about for you? What would it matter? Would it matter much? I pray, church, my prayer for our church and for myself, because as, as, as I sing that song, I'm like, God, I, I want that to be true every day. It's not. And I want to weep over the fact that it's not in my life, man. Midtown community, what is it about for you on June 13th and does it matter? God, my prayer is that it begins to matter. But I don't wanna come in here just sing songs. I don't wanna come in here for my preference. I don't wanna come in here because I like the speaker. I don't wanna come in here because my friends are here. I wanna come in here because the fire of God is here. And I wanna, I wanna go after the community outside because as I think about that soldier who carries his friend out, I wanna be people like that. I'm not coming here to see, sing songs that don't matter to me. I'm walking the streets looking for people who are down and out, needing somebody to pick them up. Who, who's going with you? Please, church, please, I beg you on June 13th at 534 now, would you choose to make, to make it matter? Life matter, and life only matters when it's about something that actually matters. And I'm gonna tell you, if it's not all about Jesus, then it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. And I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. Oh, that our lives would matter. And you can choose, and it can matter today if you choose Jesus. Go with us, Jesus, and open up our eyes. Have mercy upon our souls, God, because we have largely gone to sleep, God. I'm so sorry. I sleep a lot of my life. Have mercy on me, God. God, we want you to be the center of it all. But God, I'm not sure I even know what that looks like. But by faith, as we step in, God, would you take us to that place 
I've experienced him saying, God, I don't know what it looks like to walk on water, but I'll jump out of the boat. I want it to be all about you, Jesus. So would you take us to that place? Because I don't even know how to get there. I don't even know what it would look like in 2021. I have no idea. It might look weird as heck, but God, would you make us weird as heck? If it's all about you, King Jesus, would you set us on fire? Would you set this place ablaze? And God, I pray for the courage for our church and myself, God, to let go of the things that don't quite matter and grab hold of the thing that does, which is you. Today, if, if that's the decision that you've made, I'm, I'm encouraging you, would you step in a little bit further and would you join a life group? Because I believe our life groups are gonna begin to go after these things. It's far more than singing songs and I wanna invite you into the far more. If you wanna talk after the service, you wanna make a decision, I wanna to talk to you after the service. I want our lives to matter. Father, we want our lives to matter and we just give you our commitment. We give you our yes today, uh, June 13th, 537. I give you mine. The best I know how, here I am. And if you'll do it, I'll say yes. And God, I pray that you would set us ablaze not so that the name Midtown is understood or known. Who gives a rip about that? We just want our King to be known and seen. So King, make yourself known through us and we make ourselves available to you and say, fill us up and pour us out as you see fit. And if that means us falling on our face tomorrow at work, so be it that you would be seen. I'm not asking for some kind of blessing that I appreciate. I'm not asking for some kind of car that doesn't matter. I'm not asking for more money because I don't care. I want you to be seen, Father. Be seen, King Jesus, in our lives. May we never settle for second best anymore. But God, may we pursue with everything in our being as we grab hold of you, as you fill us up, would you pour us out? That's our invitation. Here we are, and we say yes. If you said yes today, uh, would you just, just give him your yes right there? If that's in your heart, man, I wanna give you my yes. Jesus, I give you my yes. Just tell him that. Father, we give you our yes, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. I can't wait to be back with you next week. Pray for my wife that she has this baby because it's still not here. So number four ain't here, but I'll be back next Sunday, hopefully, God willing. And uh, I look forward to continuing this series. Hey, I love you guys so much. Thanks for being here. And if you decide to make a decision, need to make a decision, we're here to pray with you. I love y'all so much. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. We'll talk soon.